chapter number 4, if you have your Bible. Turn, if you would, to page 905. 905. I do ask you, remember Brother Ernie and her church and, of course, his family. and God just be with him in a special way and help him. believe God's going to do just that. And uh, But you just be much in prayer about that. Let me just uh, have your attention just a little bit. I want to just share with you. been excited about it all week. Monday, I couldn't say a word. I couldn't say a word. I couldn't get a... I, I had a squeak up to Monday. Didn't have a good squeak Monday. And... Um, Tuesday come back a little bit, and I decided, well, I'm going to go down to pray. If this pollen's going to kill me, at least I'm going to die praying. Amen. So anyway, I'm going to go down and pray, and I have prayed a prayer. I suppose, conceivably, a thousand times, and yet Tuesday, for the first time, it took on a whole new life, and. All because of what I preached Sunday morning and Sunday night. If you wasn't here Sunday night, you ought to get it, that CD. Because you got half a message and you got half a truth. And it's just absolutely amazing how I preached something over a thousand times. And yet it just come alive in a whole new way. And I just praise God for that. Now, of course, that's Sunday. I'll share that maybe. But I ain't tell you what it is. You know, but uh, I'll shut that maybe Sunday. The Lord allows me to do so. It is good to have Brother Goodman back. He's moving a little slow, but hallelujah. Praise God. He used to trot down here. Give me that. Amen. That's good, good, good. All right. Praise God. Good crowd tonight. Amen. Good crowd tonight. All right. Daniel chapter 4, verse 23. Let's all stand together. And let's ask God to uh, just let's pray. Let's pray. Ask God. Brother Dwayne Reese, how about you praying, brother? <clears throat> Amen. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field, till seven times pass over him. That word times seven years. Times there means years. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins from my righteousness, and thy iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. Now I want you to listen real careful. And the king spake and said, Now listen, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. Whoa. Verse 31. I want us to read that first sentence together. Ready? 
while the word was in the king's mouth. While the word, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times, again, seven years, shall pass over thee. Now notice the next sentence, read it together. Until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, he was driven from men, and he'd eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair was grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. Now, let's read the rest of the verse together. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We left off last week. Nebuchadnezzar's had a dream. Of course, he's called in the crowd. And nobody can interpret it. So at last, he gets the man of God. And the man of God comes in and, and uh, immediately Daniel knows what it's all about. The Bible says for one hour he was astounded. In other words, he was literally speechless, burdened about the fact of what all of that meant. He knew the vision, the dream, if you will, was for Nebuchadnezzar's enemies, not for his friends. And so finally, Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, son, tell me the dream, it's okay. I, I believe Nebuchadnezzar said, no matter what it is, it, it's going to be all right. Just tell me what the dream is. Daniel says, Nebuchadnezzar, the dream is... Is, is you. You're that tree. You're that tree. And because of the vastness of your kingdom and how that you, you have become so large and so great and so powerful, God set a, a watcher down. And that watcher's going to come and he's going to cut you down, but not plumb to the ground. He's going to come up a little bit and leave a stump. Then he's going to put an iron thing right that iron was he had had men around him that sustained the kingdom I am speaking of strength to keep it intact to keep it from being destroyed from an outside enemy but he said we're going to keep the stuff and then Nebuchadnezzar it gets worse they're going to they're going to send you out in the field he said you're going to run around on uh, like an animal eating grass and 
You're going to grow feathers and claws and you're going to be out of your mind. And uh, then he said, Oh my goodness, Nebuchadnezzar, this is for you. Now it may, may surprise you. There is a disease called lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. And it's an illness which really results in a person acting and thinking he's an animal. Now I don't know if he had that. I will tell you this much. He's under the judgment hand of God. That I can tell you. I know who put him there. First of all, I see in this story as we come to broken part two. We looked at broken part one last week. Tonight we'll look at broken part two. May I say first of all, and I love this, I see the preaching of Daniel. I love this. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. I love this. You've got to understand, Nebuchadnezzar's most powerful man in that day, Nebuchadnezzar could have had anybody killed he wanted to. No questions asked. Here is, now Daniel's, he's getting on up in age now. Daniel's probably much, much older. He's not a teenage boy is what I'm trying to say. He's on up in age now. And as he sees this, he stands flat-footed in front of that, of that mighty monarch, Nebuchadnezzar, and he begins to preach to him. I love this. He literally confronts him about his sin. He literally confronts him and says, Let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, king. He said, if just he said, if you would repent and get right with God, just maybe God will hold off on this judgment and give you some few more days. Now let me miss this. I do believe this. Of course, we don't the Bible doesn't specifically tell us this, so you can believe whatever you choose. I believe this. And when we get to heaven, you'll find out I'm probably right. I believe, oh, Daniel loved that old king. He had been in captivity all of his life. And as a teenage boy, he had been in the kingdom. He had been around Nebuchadnezzar. I, I think they talked a lot. I think he was intrigued with Daniel. And so he made him, if you would, in his kingdom, the dog among all the magicians. And, and I don't know if that's a good thing to be taught dog up, but anyway, he, he recognized his potential in his place. I believe Daniel loved this old king. And I believe as he saw that judgment, he, he, he was burdened and broken about the fact of the judgment that's going to come. Can I say this? Only... Only a pastor could fully understand how that hurts when you see people make choices that you know is going to bring the judgment of God. I wish I could explain that to you. I really can't. But I tell you this much, it burdens. I believe Daniel was burdened and broken about the fact that this king and the judgment was coming. So he begins to tell him. He said, listen, would you accept my counsel and listen? He said, if you'll just get right, if you'll start right now doing right, just maybe God would lengthen the tranquility or give you uh, a message. Can I say this? First message 
preached in the New Testament was one on repentance. Now we don't preach much on repentance no more. Matthew said in Matthew 3, 2, it said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 14, 7. Matter of fact, the first recorded words in the ministry of Christ was this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is not preached on much no more. Preach repentance is more than just sorrow or an awakening. Repentance is a turn about face. Repentance is this. I'm going this way and I turn around and go the opposite direction. That's repentance. And one of the things we've just about lost in our hour is this thing of just plain old God-given Holy Ghost, life-changing repentance. Here's what we want. We want all of God's blessing, but we want to live the way we want to, do what we want to, how we want to, and we want all of God's blessing. We want both. And it don't happen. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen at all. I had a good voice all day long, about to lose it again. Peter Cartwright, a 19th century circuit riding Methodist preacher, Methodist now. He was an uncompromising man. One Sunday morning, he was told him General Andrew Jackson was in the congregation. And they told him, said, Brother Cartwright, Andrew Jackson's got a real hot temper. And, um, and he's very unforgiving. So you be careful about what you say. So Peter Cartwright got up at the podium and he said, it's my understanding that Andrew Jackson is here. He said, I'd like to make this proclamation. If Andrew Jackson doesn't get saved, he's going to die and bust hell wide open. I love it. Afterwards, and everybody's afraid, Andrew Jackson comes straight to him. Put out his hand and he said, Brother, if I had an army like you, I could whip the world. Amen. I love it. So we see the preaching of Daniel. But notice something else. We see the pride of King Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible says, This came upon the King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. Don't miss this. God extended mercy and grace for 12 months. Look this away. This will really help some of you really, really big. God doesn't owe you one ounce of grace or one ounce of mercy. If you mustered all the very best you have God and its filthy rags. And we, we can, you can, God does not owe me or you anything. Nothing. If you get this idea God owes you something, you don't know Him. And God extended mercy and grace to this king for 12 long months. My, what grace, what mercy. Now, I, 
don't expect, don't ask me to explain this. I, I can't. How many of you believe God knows all of our yesterdays, our todays, and all of our tomorrows? How many of you believe that? I believe that. <coughs> if that's so, He knew when He extended it that in 12 months it was coming, right? But He didn't anyway. Now that's grace. And that's mercy. That's a proverb writer said, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. If this king would have repented, God would have withheld his judgment like he did Nineveh. God withheld judgment from Nineveh for 150 years because the city and the king repented. I don't know if you've ever read that, but you ought to read it. It's one of the most amazing stories. Everybody was repenting. They even put sackcloth on the cows. Had them to repent and get right with God too. We'll find this king, had he just done so? God, and, but for 12 months, God held back that judgment. Now here's the problem with that. And this is our thinking, mentality. Because when we see him, we have the attitude, well, if God doesn't judge immediately, I got by. Now, now, Anthony, put your hand over your ears for just a little bit. Okay, thank you. If I go through Granite at 40, at the road hits at 50 mile an hour, and I don't see him, and I get by, and I say, Shoo, grace, 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 grace. Truth of the matter is, I probably didn't get by with anything. He just said, I got, I'll tell you, he's going to slow it down. You realize that that's the way we approach sin. I got by. God didn't judge. I'm okay. But what you don't understand is God has some deadlines. And when time's up, it's up. Isaiah said it this way. Seek ye the Lord while it may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and then return it to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and try God for he will abundantly pardon. Solomon warned them when people don't experience immediate consequences of the sin. They, they, it has a tendency to entrench them further in the sin, not from it, further into it. Proverbs, brother, he that been often reproved, often, often, hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without a remedy. So we find, notice here, listen what he says. I have built, I have built by my power for the honor of my majesty. Listen what he's saying. He's exalting himself. He said, the king's is not this great battle that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty and my money and my houses and my business and mine, mine, mine. And you don't understand. You don't understand. 
You ain't got the next breath if God don't choose to give it. You ain't got the next breath if God doesn't choose to give it to you. Not the next moment in time have you got if God didn't see fit to give you. My soul, we we ought to walk on, we we ought to walk in everything around us. Everywhere we go, we ought to get in our car. Praise God. Not a good day to talk about a car. My handle broke and I couldn't get out of that fusion today. I had to roll down the window. Bless God. I'm about to crawl the window of the car to get out. And, uh, but you know what? You ought to get in a car. And you ought to sit down. Thank you, Lord, for the car you've given me today. Right. You're walking your house. Look at this one. You're walking your house. You're walking your house. I don't care why it is. Thank you, Jesus, for the house you've given me to live in today. I'm convinced that we get a lot more thankful. God probably do a whole lot more ways of doing now. But see, some of you, it's my money. It's my bank account. It's my life. Nobody will tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to. But you don't understand. He that's been often reproved, hardeneth his neck, hardeneth his neck, shall be destroyed in that without a remedy. I, I got a message. I've never preached it. I've never preached it. I, I've thought about preaching it. I, I've prepared to preach it. I have a dozen times. I have a dozen times. And uh, without remedy, there are some things, there are some things that there's no remedy for. There's some things there's no remedy for. But God's never given Let me preach it. You say, ha, huh? How bad did Nebuchadnezzar have it? Archaeologists have found in the ruins of Babylon that 90% of the bricks has his name stamped on them. (laughs) 90%. It was a square city over 200 square miles with double walls, 100 to 400 feet high. Hundred gates made of copper and bronze. The streets were 125 feet wide. Let me give you, uh, just so you can understand how wide the street was. This, this building here, if my memory plays me correct, I'm thinking it's 50 foot this way. I'm thinking it's 50, 60 feet this way. Double this space here. This would be one lane of the road in that city. This church, this the width of this church. It had two thirds of a mile in it, seventy feet wide. In one street in the center, paved with stones. It's one hundred twenty-five total, and it had a street called Procession Street down the center of it. That was 70 feet wide. 120 lions sculptures, 575 dragons and bulls. It all ended at the Ishtar Gate, 35 feet high, 557 animals in bright colors. The throne room was 171 by 56 feet with a triple gateway. And near the palace, the hanging gardens, one of the seven wonders of the world. 
what you have, what you have in your hand can be taken away. But what's in your heart can never be touched. The king's pride would be his downfall. His pride. Let me tell you what's getting us is our pride. Let me tell you what's getting a whole lot of good people, their pride. Here's what pride said. Pride says, I'm not too bad. Pride almost always resists help or assistance. You know why? After all, I'm smarter, better, more class than you. Pride has the appearance of being respectable and moral. Pride struggles to do better. After all, can't get better than what I am now. Pride doesn't understand why God calls sinners. Pride is always critical. Why don't they do better? Pride will not give God his rightful place. How's God deal with pride? He said he resisted. Number one, he refuses to speak. You realize there'll be some sitting here tonight. There's some sit here Sunday. There'll be some sit here right here tonight. And would you believe this? Their pride, they'll leave saying, I didn't get anything out of that. You know why? Because they didn't hear God speak. You know why He ain't speaking? Your pride. You know it all. Preacher can't teach you nothing. You, you don't need... Preacher can't help you. What you don't understand ain't about the preacher. All I'm doing is just a messenger telling you what God's got. And what you miss is hearing from God. You totally hear it because He refuses to speak. Number two, He ridicules your scheming. Psalms 2, 1 through 4, and I'm not going to read it. He'll laugh at your calamity. Number three, He'll ruin your success. Don't miss this. He'll ruin your success. Number five, He'll remove your status. He'll remove your status. He'll, 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 he'll move that in a heartbeat. You say, well, does God have a recipe for pride? Oh, yes, He does. Submit yourselves therefore to God. First Peter 5 said, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that may exalt you in due time. Submitting yourself to the Lord. First thing. Number two. Shun Satan. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Because the devil loves pride. Number three. Seek the Lord and draw closer to Him. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Number one, I see the preaching of Daniel. Number two, I see the pride of Nebuchadnezzar. But notice, I see the punishment of the king. I, I guess these words just absolutely astound me. While the word was in the king's mouth, I would to God I could get you to, to grasp how big this is to me. I said it last week. It's, it's beyond my imagination. That God could take this man from the pinnacle of power and position and prestige 
to the lowest in one moment of time. It astounds me. And it makes me want to fall on my face and say, My, what a God I serve. But while the Word was in His mouth, God said, God! Time's up! Hey, Neb, you ain't going no further, big boy. It's done. It's done. One, while the word, I didn't say words. I didn't say words. While the word, you say, reckon what the word was. I kind of think the word wasn't a big one. I think it was probably the smallest one. Ah! God said, time up. Time up. And God moved. Thy fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men. And even in that same hour, the thing was fulfilled. Time's up! And don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. Time gets up for a whole lot of things. Time's up. Time's up. And when that time comes up, you're going to find that God, and then God does something else. God says, let me just lay out your future for the next seven years. And for the next seven years, he was like, uh, I, I, I was reading today and trying to, 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 to get a picture of what he would have, what he would have looked like and what, what, getting a, a mental picture the Bible says you're like an oxen. But many believe he was just, he was just, they, they put him in this big field. And he just, just run around eating grass, much like a, much like a, 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 a donkey would. Had no mind. He grew feathers like his hair got, got long and mighty like, like uh, feathers and claws and, for seven years. For seven years. My. My. Proverb writer said, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but He will establish the border of the widow. I've wondered how Nebuchadnezzar's family felt at this time. Were they glad he's out of the palace? Some writers said he was really hard, really hard man. Was he a difficult man to live with? I don't know. Again, some says he was a very hard man. Larkin said during this insanity that his, his, his son, Evil uh, Merodach, boy, that's a good name, Evil Merodach, reigned as regent 
in his stead. What I want you to understand was time was up. But then I want you to notice again God's grace and mercy. I see the praise of a humble king. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of the days, seven years, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. Now, and I run to the palace to get me some new clothes and I get me a shower. Man, I've been, I've been in seven years. Get a shave. I run to get me a new chariot. I run to do this, do this. No, no, no. He didn't. Notice what's the first thing he did. Notice. I praised and honored him that lived no, let me back up here. I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever and whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom from generation to generation. First thing He did. Can I ask you a question? How long has it been since you, not somebody next to you, not somebody you, somebody in your family, not not any you find yourself blessing the Most High God and praising and glorifying His blessed name? Question number two. What would it take to get you there? What would it take to get you there? Dear God in heaven, what's it got to take to get us there? What's it got to take to get us there? I, I find here's a king, and now all of a sudden, many believe, many believe, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us but many believe right here, old Nebuchadnezzar trusted Jesus, was saved, and trust, acknowledged, and, and, and the best he could was saved. I wonder what you got to take to get us there. And all the inhabitants are, are reputed as nothing, and doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stake his hand or say in him, what doest thou? He said in verse, And I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he's able to abase. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, like the prodigal son, he'd come to himself. Like Bob went on, amen. He learned the hard way. Man, what a hard way eating grass. Scribes around and good for seven years. What blows my mind? Took seven years to get in there. Seven years to get in there. But he got there. And when he did, he blessed and praised the God of heaven who's worthy of being praised. 
Nebuchadnezzar didn't live but about a year after this. Many believe that seven years of running around in the field so destroyed his health physically, he didn't live but about a, but a year. But everything I've been able to find in that year, he never wavered. He praised God. He honored God. He glorified God in everything he done. Let me tell you a story like this way. I'm not proud of this. I'm really not. I would to God that God didn't have to do it that way, but He did. I had um, probably been, I guess, 10, 15 years ago now. I was made up my mind, I'm going back to work. Now I know what God had put in my heart to do. You would not believe how much at times I would love to do what every one of you do. You really wouldn't. But I knew what God had said for me to do. And I knew that. I knew, knew what it was. I obeyed it. But that's the day I decided. I'm, I'm going back to work. It's just that simple. And would you believe it took God breaking my back, putting me in a stupid shell like a turtle for six months to get me to understand, hey, you're not doing that. You're just not going to do that. No. I don't care what, you're just not going to do that. And I thought, Am I so hard-headed? It took that to get me to understand God's just not going to let me do that. But He did. And I guess that's what He took. Now when I think about it, I get a pain right there and I said, I, I just, God, I got it. God, I, I ain't doing that. I, I'm okay. We're good. I don't want God to have to hurt me to get me to hear him and listen. Now, some of you are thinking, why do I want to serve a God like that? Because of grace. That's not judgment. <coughs> judgment is if God had let Nebuchadnezzar die in his pride and went to hell. That's judgment. Grace is when God stops your life long enough to say, I'm trying to talk to you and if this is what it takes to get you to listen, I'm willing to do it because I love you. It's not judgment. It's grace and mercy. It's grace and mercy for God to put me with a broken back in a shell so He could say, now I told you you are not going to do that. Yes, sir, I got it. Got the text, got the mail. I still got the stupid shell. Amen? I remember. I'm good. I wonder tonight. Now, here's what I fear. Here's what I fear. Here, here's, here's, what, here's what scares me. I'm going to be as transparent as I can be. Here's what terrifies me as a pastor 
of Solid Rock Baptist Church. I fear for some, their pride is so, so grounded in their heart that God just may have to step out and do something very, very tragic and bring a lot of tears before they'll stop and say, and that breaks my heart. He don't want to do that. You say, but God did judge him. No, God was gracious. He gave him 12 months. He warned him. I mean, he warned him. And my theory is, because of pride, that God just simply says, no other way. Okay, here we go. So tonight, may God not have to do that. You say, how do, how do we do that? Well, like what we preach Sunday morning, is we have the God to speak to our hearts. And when He speaks, we do something with it. We do something with it. Because if He wants you to do it, you're going to do it. So I trust tonight. Trust tonight. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. And God did, and I, I'm, I'm convinced he probably got right with God. All because, but he took seven years. My goodness. It's all stand to your feet.